We're going to dive right in. Would you turn with me to your uh, Bibles to Mark chapter 4? We're going to start at verse 36. But before we do that, I want to read a, a power verse, as I want to call it. 2 Timothy 1.7, you guys know this very well. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Uh, growing up, we used to go to my grandparents' house uh, out in Cincinnati, Ohio. If you've ever been to Cincinnati, I love Cincinnati. I love Skyline Chili. I love UDF Malts. Uh, I love Frisch's Big Boy. And one of the great things about going back to my grandparents' house is I love this house. It was, it was a real tall house, and it was separated in the middle. It was a duplex. And so my grandparents lived on one side, and on the other side, they rented it out to a couple, an elderly couple named Herb and Helen. Now, Herb used to come out, and, and he would talk on the uh, you know, porch with us, and we would hang out. And I loved listening to stories uh, about Herb being in the Navy, but I never met Helen we would hear Helen. See, Helen was sick and stayed in her room and she was pretty much bedridden. She would get up to, you know, go around and to eat and so forth, but she stayed in, in the house and we never met Helen, but we would hear Helen. So at night when we would stay there, me and my brother would, would hear footsteps above us in this duplex in Cincinnati and it was footsteps of Helen, and we would hear her, and, and it was terrifying until one day my brother, it, I was 12, and he, he challenged me, he really dared me. He said, I dare you to go upstairs, sneak upstairs to see if you can see Helen. Now, I, I immediately took him on the bet. I'm 12 years old. Of course I'm going. You better believe it. So I, I, I creak into this door that was kind of partially open, I I make my way almost like an FBI agent, leaning across, you know, and, and I dart up the stairs and I make my way to the hallway. And right as I'm about to turn to the hallway, it's dead quiet. No one I thought was in this house. I make a quick turn and right when I did, right in front of me stood an elderly woman with just all gray hair, real long, in a white gown, smiling at me saying, hello boy, is Herb home yet? Now, when you're 12 years old and a lady says that to you, you look, I immediately, the only thing I could do was I just started to scream, which made Helen scream back, which we just stood there for a few seconds screaming. I ran down the stairs and I never went upstairs ever again. I'm joking, I did, but it was about five years later, once they moved out, and we still to this day think that it's haunted by Helen. Uh, but until this day, I, I think I'm even afraid of people by the name of Helen. And if, if your name is Helen and you are watching, I love you, it's nothing against you, but there is just something about that story, and it's a true story, terrified me, because fear, fear is real. Fear is so real. And as it doesn't matter how ridiculous the fear is, it doesn't matter how outlandish it is, it's real to that person. And as a matter of fact, I want you to shout out one of your biggest fears. I know we have multiple. Your biggest fear on the count of three, right where you are in your living room, if you're at work, maybe you can whisper it, whatever it is, think about it, write it down. One, two, three. I'm gonna say mine, elevators. All right, you say, why elevators? I don't know. I think part of it is because it's a box 
that is suspended by a wire and going up 50 flights. Uh, that's what gets me. But also being stuck in one. I say this because today, believe it or not, they're actually, as we are adding on to the church right now, they are working with the elevator. And I saw that and, and Dan came and told me that that's what that is. And I said, well, I'm terrified of it. I will be taking the stairs. We're, we're very thankful for the elevator, but you will never see me on it because my fear is real. What's real to me is that elevator is going to get stuck. It's every time. That's what's real because fear grips you, paralyzes you, and it keeps you and it holds you. And really, there's only two types of fears. There's two types of fears. And if you want to jot these down, two types of fears. First one's external fears. These are these fears that are external, things like clowns, heights, spiders. Uh, for me, you want to know another. Here's another one emergency exits. If I'm on a plane and a flight attendant comes to me and says, sir, you're sitting in an emergency exit. Um, are you prepared to assist in, in, in the event of an emergency? My answer is always simple. No, I am not prepared. Do I look prepared at all to be ready to assist? I'm jumping first, right? I, they make me nervous, but I'm terrified of those as well. Be, why? Because fear is real. Those are external fears, and we all have those, but we also have another type of fear, and that's the internal fears. What are these fears? These are, these are those of rejection, maybe low self-esteem. These, these kind of fears ask questions like, what will everybody think? Or what if it doesn't work out? Will I be okay? Or Lord, can I, can I trust you with what's next? Those are those internal fears that we all have, and Maybe if you're watching this right now, you have that internal fear, a different kind. And so what do you do with this fear? I mean, we always hear things like you got to face your fear. We hear about conquering your fear and, and living fearless. And, and the truth is, I don't think it's that great to live a life of just being fearless. Because I think sometimes fearlessness can be recklessness. Fear is actually not a bad thing. Fear has actually kept you out of a lot of bad things. You know, when you walk up to a stove, you now have this respect. The, the definition for fear is, is either a, a, a sensation of a fright or it's a deep respect for something. And so I have a deep respect for a hot stove. It only takes one time for you to learn not to touch that again and to have a deep respect or a fear for it. It's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Now, the spirit of fear is what is bad. How do we live beyond a spirit of fear? I mean, is it possible to live fearless? I don't think so. But it is possible to fear less. What does it look like to fear less? Well, Mark chapter 4, this is great. I love this story um, because it's a beautiful picture of really what, uh, what life is like for all of us. It's, it's seen through the disciples. Jesus is, is teaching in, in Mark chapter 4. He just got done teaching. Uh, he's standing on a boat. So what happened was he, there's a bunch of people gathered around. He's talking about the kingdom. He's preaching about the kingdom. And, and so everybody's really fired up. They're learning and growing. and They're being challenged and questioned. And Jesus, the only place he is, he gets on a boat and he always has the, the coolest way of doing stuff. And then he, he pushes off, right? And so he's, he's floating and he's sailing and he's talking and it's, and everybody's really 
you know, really drawn into what he's saying. And as he's finishing this, he decides to continue to row away and he wants to go to the other side, it says. And that's where the story kind of picks up and we see uh, the real fear of the disciples. Jesus knew a thing or two about fear. He was faced with it, I'm sure. He's been in some scary positions all the way up to his death. Matter of fact, if you were to ask Jesus, I'm sure, Jesus, what do you think about fear? He would probably say, fear not, right? And that what an easy statement that is to not just hear, but receive. And, but it's not very easily lived. So what does it mean to fear not or to, to not be fearful? Well, we see that through the picture of a storm. Jesus, the way he preaches, really the sermon that day took place out in the storm. And it was for his disciples. You know, he would teach this, you know, these principles uh, to the masses. But, but there was an experience he had with his disciples. So this experience is the greatest lesson. We see, uh, we see the storm. And storms usually mean circumstances, right? Or uh, situations, scenarios. These are, these are usually negative things that somehow can be brought into light. We see Jonah was in a storm because of disobedience. But what's funny is in this story, we see that the disciples are in a storm because of obedience. So storms, it doesn't matter either way. It's, storms are real. Their fear is real. And you will, no matter if you are disobeying or obeying, you're going to be in one. And so here it is, the disciples, he wants to teach him, the disciples this in a, in a weird, creepy way. In Mark chapter 4, verse 36, or let's start at verse 35. It says, the same day when the evening came, he said to them, let's go across to the other side. The other side. That already sounds scary. I like to stay comfortable right where we are. I don't want to go to the other side anywhere. So he says, let's go to the other side. And when they had sent the crowd away, they took him in the boat just as he was. And there was also other little boats with him. And a great windstorm arose and the waves splashed into the boat so that it was now filling the boat. Verse 38 says, he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. He being Jesus was at the stern asleep on a pillow. And they woke him and said, teacher, don't you care that we are perishing? Don't you care that we're dying? He says, he rose and rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, peace be still. And then the wind ceased and there was a great calm. He said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? They feared greatly and said to one another, what kind of man is he? What kind of man is he? That even the wind and the sea obey him. I'm gonna speak for just a minute on what it means to live a life that is fearless. Lord, I pray for whoever's watching that you would just let them draw into your word. God, let us receive in your wonderful name. Amen. There's 183 questions asked to Jesus, and out of those 183 questions, he answered only three of them. And of those three questions that he answered, he answered those three questions with three other questions. So when you look, we see here that he answers a question of the three in all of Scripture. We're going to look at one, one question that he does answer, but we're going to look at this, we're going to look at this dialogue. 
I see three, I see three sentences of a storm, of a journey, of a process that, that's pretty normal. That's pretty normal, normal for all of us as we're journeying in our faith. And the first thing is this, that we all say when we're in the middle of fear, number one, don't you care. God, don't you care. I don't know if you've ever been in a place like that where you almost look at somebody like, do you even care? Like, do you have any care at all what I'm going through, right? I remember a friend came over to our house and uh, she was showing the, her drone. She's a photographer and she was showing my wife and the kids her new drone that was so awesome. It was expensive and it was high def. And so she like sits it down. I don't know if you've ever seen a drone take off, but like, it's cool. Like, it's awesome. She set it down and it was like, and it like rose up and she was like kind of doing these cool things around our living room. It was awesome. And then she was like, watch it land. I was like, all right. And she was like, that was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. She was in control the whole time. Everything looked great. All of the sudden, this drone came back alive. And Tammy sat there and was trying to hit the button and no response. It began to turn as if it was a creature looking around and it caught eyes with me and I'm not kidding, it's 100% true, started flying around the, the room, the living room, hitting things, knocking over papers and we were freaking out. We grabbed the kids, everybody screaming. I started praying at it. I just, I pointed, I cast every demon out of that thing. And sure enough, that might have been what it was. And finally, I look over at Tammy, who, who is supposed to be in control of this situation, of this drum. She's laughing. She's laughing on the couch the whole time. She thinks it's hilarious. She hits one button. It comes back down. It wasn't. She actually was in control. I thought she wasn't. The, the bottom line is this. We love control. We want to be in control. Nobody likes to feel chaotic or out of control. There's an order to our life. Matter of fact, we love control so much. If I were to say, you like to hold the remote control, don't you? You like to be in control of what you want to watch on the TV. Everybody does. Some of us, we like to pick the restaurant. We like to be in control of where we're going to eat. We're going to go to Chili's. Nope, we're going to Outback. Who's in control? Some of us, who's going to drive? Who's driving? Well, we all know who's really, it's always the backseat drivers that are really driving, but who gets to drive? That's a huge thing because we love control. We don't want to release that. We don't even want to feel out of control. But when life gets chaotic, just like the disciples are in this chaotic storm, it's real. The fear is real. And Jesus, don't you even care? We're upside down. What are you, you're asleep. That's what it says, that that same day, it was evening. Why did they wait till evening? Why couldn't they have stayed there? What is Jesus doing taking them out this way to go to the other side, to be asleep? Jesus, where are you? Have you ever felt like this? Have you ever felt like you didn't know if Jesus was even there, like in the room? You ever thought that your prayers were maybe just bouncing off the ceiling or they were wasted God, you can't even see me in this storm. What do you do when you can't see around you and you don't know where you are? Maybe some of you are like, I know God's with me, but wake him up. Is he asleep? I want to promise you this. God is not checked out on you. He is not clocked out. He doesn't clock in and clock out. 
He's there. He's very present. He's present where you're watching this. I believe God's word is true. And he's showing us this. We've all felt like this. We've all felt like, God, you're asleep. And disciples look at him and say, Man, on the cushion, why did you find your place in the back of the boat on the cushion? On the cushion. Of all of the places that Jesus could have sat, he went and took the cushion. Now, some say it's because he was tired, and I believe that. I think he knew he was going to take a nap, and I don't think he was caught off guard by the storm either. And I just want to encourage somebody who might be feeling like they are dying. Lord, where are you? We're dying. Our finances are out of control. It's over. The bank called or whatever it is. Our marriage is on the line. My kid, he's lost. I, I, if anything, Lord, just save my son, save my daughter. You know, that, that, those are storms. Those are storms, and they're very real. The fear is real. But I want to remind you of who's in control. We're shouting, God, where are you? He, he's not really asleep. He knows what's going on. He's wanting to stretch your faith. He's wanting us to learn to trust him more. You know, nothing rattles Jesus. I want to say that again to somebody. Nothing rattles Jesus. It's not too big. There's nothing too scary. Cancer can go. That bad report from the doctor can go because nothing can stand in the way of God. As so we see, the second, the second question, and this comes from Jesus. This is when Jesus responds to the three questions that are in Scripture. He only answered three of them, and here's a, here's a question. He says, why are you so afraid? How could you be scared? We just left a revival. We just left, like, uh, Jesus was teaching. Not only that, you guys, Jesus is physically in the boat, y'all. He's in the boat with them. It's like, we need to get the picture that he's like, well, they can see him, right? He's in there with them. How in the world were they so afraid? Well, I'll tell you how. I've been there. I've been there. Ocean City, Maryland, 1997. We're there at the beach. It's awesome. We just bought a boogie board, styrofoam boogie board. I wanted to get out there. I'd never done it before. Just wanted to have fun at the beach. We're with my family, and there we are. And uh, didn't think I would encounter such a creature as this. I'm out there, I'm a young child just swimming and having a great time when all of the sudden, out of nowhere, something came and, and it wrapped around my leg. And when it did, it was, it was slimy and I knew this was not someone else's leg. There is no one around me. And I was pulled under. And I was under the water fighting for my life and I was hitting at anything that I could. And I would come up from the water and to get a breath and, and I would go back down. And it was over and over again. You can imagine this scene. It was very intense. And then all of a sudden I managed to just cut myself loose. And as I made my way back to shore, I rolled up there and just laid up and looked. I'm covered in sand. I looked down at my leg to see what this creature was. And sure enough, there it was, seaweed. I let my imagination get the best of me. We've all done that. We've all let our imagination get the best of us. We've all seen things that really might not be there. At night, we say, oh, this is, uh, you know, our lights turn off and we run to the bed and all of a sudden we see uh, an image. We realize, really, we turn the lights on, it was just a shadow. You know, 
our minds have that ability to go to the most or the worst or the, the, the most negative thing immediately. We always want to go to the worst. When we're watching the news, we don't want to always hear good things. For some reason, we want to hear the worst. What's the bad stuff? What's happening? We want to stay in fearful mode because there's something about that fearful mode. It just happens. We're all dealing with our fears, trying to face them. And our imagination is what gets the best of us. You know, the truth is we're only born with two fears. The fear of loud noises and the fear of falling. And the rest of them we have created. Our life experience has created for us. So why are they so afraid? Why am I so afraid? Why are you watching at home? Why are you so afraid right now? What are, what are those internal fears that you might be struggling with? The ones that you would put down and say, God, where are you? And he would respond, why are you afraid? What are those fears? Jesus answers that question with a question. It's like he doesn't answer, he doesn't give the answer. You know, you like didn't wake up. You would think that, you know, Jesus would wake up and have something. He rebukes the storm. It's peace and calm. Why are they afraid? Everything's fine now. He gets up and he rebukes them in a way. Where's your faith? What happened to your faith? Because when our fear becomes our focus, our faith begins to fade. He's stretching them. He's leading them and he's guiding them. And matter of fact, he's actually reminding them. You see, at the beginning of the passage, he said, let's cross over to the other side. Now, did the disciples honestly think that when Jesus kicked away and was floating out into the sea, do they honestly think that they would be overtaken and killed out at that sea, in the Sea of Galilee, along with Jesus? Did they really think, like, if I'm a disciple, my answer would be yes, because the waves were really in the boat. They were really being, ca we were going down. It was over because it was real. Your situation's real. It's real. It feels like waves are coming in, yeah. The wind is real. The rain is real. And you're like, I don't know if we are going to make it. Yeah, the disciples were absolutely saying, Jesus, we're going to drown. You're going to drown, Jesus. He lumped Jesus in that. We're dying. Don't you care that we're all dying? Like, as if, as if Jesus was going to die. As if when he promised them, he promised them that he was going to get them to the other side. So if Jesus promises the disciples he's going to get them to the other side, he's going to get you to the other side too. You're going to get through the other side of that storm that you're in because he makes the promise. We're going to the other side. We forget that sometimes and our faith begins to fade. And I want to speak to somebody who's maybe lost their faith. You somehow stumbled upon this. You're like, what is this church? This somehow got shared or whatever. I don't know. And you're like, I don't even know this, but I'm watching. There, there's a chance. There's an opportunity for you to stretch your faith, to step into your faith, a new faith journey where you step in and say, God, I know and I recognize you now. And a lot of times we won't recognize God until we're in the boat and in the storm, which is exactly what happens. Now, 
the promises that he gives us are in Deuteronomy, that he, he goes before us and he will never leave us or forsake us. In Psalm 32, verse eight, it says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you. I'll be your counsel with my loving eye on you. Jeremiah 29, 11, we all know, for I know the plans that I have for you. He knows where we're going. He already knows the future. We're okay. We don't have to be in control all the time. It's okay. You might not have control over those finances. You, you think, how do I get my hands around the debt? It might be impossible when you look at it. But with God's help, and as our faith begins to rise up, I believe God steps into financial miracles, and he does. Here's the last thing, number three. <clears throat> the disciples respond. They respond to Jesus' question. All of these were questions, by the way. Question, question. Now, here's the, the last question is this. Who is this? Who is this? It says they feared greatly and said to one another, what kind of man is he? Who is this guy? What kind of legend, hero? I mean, this, it's almost robotic to be able to get up in the middle of a, in the sea when you're capsizing and just start screaming at the wind and waves. Nobody does that. What kind of man is this? No other man was doing that. There's something different about this man. If you had questions about this man, you got answers right here. If there was ever a moment you didn't know if he could handle a storm, you got answers right here. They were terrified. Now, I thought, it, I thought we wanted to live fearless. No, 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 no. There is a holy and reverent and respectful fear of God that's very real, that must be taken seriously. And this is the only way that they could learn that. You know, it's peaceful. He just calmed the storm. The boat is finally at a place. Everything's okay, but they're terrified. They're afraid because now they realize who's in the boat. Not afraid for their lives, but a holy fear, a reverence of this is not an ordinary man. This is not a carpenter who just has magic tricks. This is not just some guy who's making claims that he's, you know, the son of God. No, no, no. This is Jesus. And he's in the boat. He calmed the storm. They see who he is. And I want to speak to somebody who's in that place. And you're trying to turn your, why is this happening? God's trying to turn the why into a who. Who do you say I am? Who is Jesus to you? I mean, if the master of the universe, the creator of all things, is in the boat, can't he handle a storm too? If he's got the whole world in his hands, doesn't he have the boat too? I think sometimes we have to remind ourselves of that holy fear that we should have of God. You really are sovereign. You really are in control. And I'm not going to let a spirit of fear overtake me. But I want to have a holy, reverent fear of you, God. I love this. This is how we're going to close. Psalm 89, verse 8 says, O Lord, God of hosts, who is mighty like you, O Lord? Your faithfulness surrounds you. You rule the raging of the sea. And when waves rise, 
you still them. That's crazy to know that, that storms are going to come and go. And we have faith because we know who holds the world. But for that person that is afraid to trust God, maybe you're watching this and you, you've got to make a move. Maybe you've got to make a decision and you're terrified. Maybe that is the storm. Maybe you're like, God, I, I'll, I'll do something first, but I need to see you do something first. You're trying to manipulate God to make sure everything's okay, and then you'll face your, that fear or whatever it is that you're trying to conquer. I want to tell you about this. This is a cool, the coolest animal. It's the African impala. And if you, you need to Google the African impala, very, very interesting animals. The African impala can jump 10 feet high in the air standing straight. With a running start, they can jump over 30 feet in distance. Like these animals, when, when you see them around, I mean, they're, they're kangaroos, nothing. The, the, the African impala is unreal. But they keep African impalas behind a three-foot wall that they can't see because with the instinct of the African impala, their instinct will not allow them to take a step without knowing where their feet are going to land. You know, a lot of times that's us. We don't want to make that faith step. We don't want to trust God with what's next. We want to wait until it's ready. We want to wait until we see we're going to make a good landing and everything's going to be fine. And, and really, they didn't get to see the shore. The disciples were in the, the it's in that moment. It's in that place that God is teaching us. This is where you're going to find out who's in the boat with you. I want your faith level to rise today. And I want to encourage those who are feeling maybe uncertain about something. Maybe there's anxiety that you're dealing with or a fear of what's next or stress or worry. It's, it's bigger than just fear not. It is because your fear is very real. But even though we have fear, we know who's in the fear with us. You have Jesus, and, and I want to comfort somebody in the room right now, is your storm, technically. And nestled at the back in the stern, he chose the position of the couch, the comfortable place. It's almost as if he's saying, join me, won't you? If we could ever join Jesus, the place where he's sitting, I think we'll be in a better place. I think we'll be able to ride the journey out much much easier. So Lord, we give you the text today, Lord, as, as a testimony really to what maybe we're going through. There's people watching this right now that are in a storm. They're faced with fear and it's an abundance of fear, God, and it's very real to them. And Lord, you know it's very real to them. And if it's a big deal to them, it's a big deal to you, Lord. And so you are moving in that that matter, whatever it is, God, the circumstance and scenario, that situation that seems impossible, you're moving in that. And God, we trust you with it. And Lord, to the one who is just afraid to make that next step, whatever that step is, because they want you to, to work out the next one, let them know that you're working it out as we walk, as we move, it's as we journey, we find out because we're trusting you and it's faith. It, it's not always as clear as that. So God, let us be okay in the storm. 
Let us be sitting next to you and choose that place, God, of rest and peace. In your wonderful name. Everybody said, amen.